Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. We're in the middle of a series, a little mini-series that we started last week and we're literally finishing this week entitled The Art of Gratefulness. And we're talking in this series about the disconnect between the increased prosperity of our age. I don't know what about you, but I need you to understand that we live in probably the most blessed time in the history of the world. And we're, we're, we're exploring the disconnect between our increase in prosperity and the decrease in our enjoyment. We're looking at the fact that we are outwardly prosperous and inwardly we're in a place of turmoil. I wanna talk to you today around the simple thought that we are blessed yet stressed. Anybody identify with that? Like we might have a lot, but inwardly we are juggling a lot of stuff. We are a a, a time in history with probably the highest rate of prosperity in the history of the world. Yet, at exactly the same time, we see the highest rates of depression, anxiety, discontentment, and fear in the history of the world. We are increasing in possessions and we are decreasing in enjoyment. We have wardrobes that are full and we have hearts that are hopeless. We have lives that are full of comfort and we have thoughts that are full of despair. And it simply shouldn't be like that. Do you believe that? So in this series, we're talking about it, and I want to give you what I believe is going to be an incredibly helpful message this morning from one of my favorite passages of Scripture, because I believe that what we need, the antidote for our anxiety is gratefulness. The cure for our cultural malaise is to find a place of thanksgiving, that we can transform how we're feeling on the inside when we discover the truth of where God sits in relationship to everything that we are facing. With that in mind, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter four. Book of Philippians chapter four. If you got a Bible, no matter where you are, shout, got it. If you do not have a Bible, give me a little oops. Okay, all right. It's okay. God's a God of grace and forgiveness. I'm not saying you won't get to heaven. I'm not saying that. If you haven't got a Christian out there today, just turn to a a nearby Christian. So I haven't got a Bible, turn to a nearby Christian. If you haven't got a Christian, turn to a nearby Bible. I don't know. All right, all right. Holidays are coming. It's all right. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Paul wrote this letter, by the way, under house arrest, expecting trial, followed by death in the Colosseum. That's the context of our letter. He thought that this was gonna be the last words he ever wrote. And this is what he said. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true and whatever is noble and whatever is right and whatever is pure and whatever is lovely and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, 
think about such things. What an amazing passage of Scripture given the context of his life. I don't know about you, but if I was writing this letter, I would be like, somebody pray for me. Instead, when we read his opening line in our passage is rejoice in the Lord always. Let your inner world be always upbeat. That's crazy. I'm gonna say it again, he said. Rejoice, exclamation mark. He's saying, I don't want you to think for a moment that God is wanting you to be overwhelmed by the events, situations, trials, and difficulties of life. Now, immediately, that for me is challenging. How about you? Because sometimes things appear for me bigger than my inner world can handle. Then he goes on and he gives what appears to be an out of context phrase, but I want you to see it's actually the key that unlocks this passage. He says, rejoice, God wants you to be happy on the inside. That's what he's saying. Then he said this next phrase, he said, let your gentleness be evident to all. Now for me, that's just like riggedy rick rick random. Like why put in there gentleness? Like what has that got, I'm not holding a cat. What has gentleness got to do with my inner world and this situation. And this is where sometimes what's being written in a Greek word gets a little bit kind of, um, the essence gets taken out when we pick one word to ram it into our English. What, what the Bible is literally saying is, let your gentleness, let your patience, let your, let your moderation. He's saying, He's saying, let you rejoice in the Lord always and then let this thing be seen about you. That when events and pressures and difficulties happen to you, you just tend to have a more moderate, a more temperate, you seem to have something that, guys, if we can get real about it, is massively missing a huge cultural discussion right now. You seem to have a resilience. Paul's saying, I'm under house arrest. I'm waiting to die. Yet something is in me that seems to be, he might even be partly writing to himself. And it's like, I want people around me to see that there is a temperateness. There is a moderation. There, there is a resilience in the face of life's struggles that I've found on the inside of me. And this then helps us to understand what he's saying because we've got a challenge, we've got an inner goal, and everything that we're gonna read next is the key. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the key, right? If there is a way that inside of me, I can find a sense of peace in the middle of all life's trials, I need it. And if there is a way that I can be constantly in a state of positiveness in my soul, regardless of what is happening in my life, then I don't know about you, I reckon that is the most needed thing in our world today. And then he goes on and he gives to us exactly how we can discover it. He says, listen, I'm gonna tell you now how you can unlock what God really wants for you in your heart, your mind, and your soul to know this state of being, okay? Then he goes on, and I wanna give it to you today quickly in five points. I'm gonna give you the whole sermon outline, and then we're gonna break it down step by step. He says, firstly, he says, don't be anxious. In other words, he says, number one, identify anxiety. 
The second thing he said was by prayer. He says, increase your God awareness. The third thing he said was petition. And the third thing that we must do is we must discover prayer. Then he said, with thanksgiving, and the next thing we have to do is choose thanksgiving. And number five, we must develop intentional gratefulness. Okay, we must identify anxiety. We must increase God awareness, discover prayer, choose thanksgiving, and develop intentional gratefulness. Guys, if we're gonna discover this thing that Paul is writing about, this inner resilience, this state of calm and face of the trials of life, then the first thing that we have to do is we have to increase, sorry, we have to identify our anxiety. He says, don't be anxious. He's giving us a commandment. He's saying, go through your life and find why you feel the way that you do. Because often in life, the truth is that we are feeling things in our lives. We are anxious, fearful, worried, stressed out. The question we need to ask ourselves is why? What is the cause of it? Because our anxieties stem from our wrong beliefs about God. If the Bible says that we should not be anxious, then when we are something wrong about God, a misbelief about who He is and His nature and character has found its way into our soul. So we must identify the points of our anxiety. We must find the parts of our lives or our minds that have not fully bowed to God. We must find in our anxious points the moments when we are trying to do life in our own strength rather than leaning upon Jesus. Because so often in life, we live with anxiety, yet we don't ever ask intelligent or specific questions about it. And it is important that we first recognize that that's not what God wants for you. That's just important to know. God doesn't want you to be a stressed out little crazy person, okay? Then we need to ask ourselves, if we are anxious, why are we anxious? One of the most commonly refrained phrases by Jesus was, do not worry. Do not worry. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will wear, where you will stay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Now we have a three-letter word in the Bible for doing something that God tells us we should not do. Starts with an S, ends with an N in every location. If you know it, help me say it. It is a sin. A sin, right, so if God said don't do it and we do it, it's a sin. So worry is not something that God's like, go ahead. Quite the opposite, He says, no, don't do that. That's not, that's not gonna help. That's gonna open up the door to the wrong kind of things in your life that's gonna allow the devil to begin to impact your decision making. It's gonna distract you from living your life for a real purpose. It's gonna water down the reason why you are here. It's gonna trivialize your destiny. He said, I don't want that for you. Now we must realize that the first thing we must do if that is true is we've gotta identify why am I anxious and put it right up here. The second thing he says that we should do is that we should start to pray. In other words, we should increase our God awareness. That we should be intentionally more aware of God. Because the truth is, guys, that in my life and in yours, the most easily led to anxiety point in our lives 
is when we are conscious of God the least. When we have allowed Him to become something that is smaller. When we lose our awareness of God, we automatically increase our anxiety. So I must move my mind higher than my circumstances by elevating my thoughts to my Savior. Our fears and our anxieties grow when God is forgotten in our minds. And by the way, let me remind us all today that the beginning of our spiritual warfare is to make our thoughts obedience to Christ. That is the beginning of all campaigning against the onslaught of the devil, is to make my thoughts obedient to Christ. So I've got to firstly just look and go, man, where are the points in my life where anxiety is coming from? The second thing that I have to do is before I even try and fix it, I've got to get my eyes off my problem and intentionally elevate my perspective of God. I gotta make Him bigger. That, that word pray, by the way, could be translated worship. I, my song of 2018 is Our God is Greater. Our God is greater than all things. I wish I could sing. Greater than all things, greater than all. And isn't it amazing how the most troubled people in the congregation don't even wanna sing it? It's like, why did you come, you know? <laughs> this is the moment where you choose to engage in increasing your God. Worship is not God's gift to God, it's God's gift to us. It's God's gift to us. Because when we elevate our God consciousness, it helps our God awareness, it puts everything else in perspective. The third thing that he says that we should do is don't be anxious about anything but in everything with prayer that's increasing your God consciousness and petition. In other words, the third thing we need to do is we need to start talking to God about stuff. We need to discover prayer. And I'm preaching to a Christian crowd vastly, and if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, in a few minutes, we're gonna give you an opportunity to discover what it is to have a relationship with a God who is greater than everything that we face in our lives. But even if you are a Christian, it is easy for us to talk to God about the trivial and not talk to God about the important. I've been a pastor for 25 years, and it has been my experience that most Christians are walking through a lot of religious activity, and we get really developed at how to say grace, how to pray for our children when they're sitting an exam, how to, how to be you know, kind to a sick person, but we don't find the ability to discuss with God what's really going on in us. I wanna put it to you today that maybe your one honest conversation away from God, uh, uh, your one honest conversation with God away from changing the way you feel on the inside. Because we talk to God about the smaller and inconsequential, but we don't like to talk to God about the pain of our rejection, about the fears of our hearts, about the nagging doubt as to whether our life is gonna have a significant purpose. People in the 30s and 40s are just wondering whether there's anything significant for me, whether my life truly does have a destiny, yet they'll just bury that down deep. Teenagers can lift their hands in worship on a Friday night and a Sunday morning and then go home and wonder whether there's anything unique and special about them. 
it is easy for us to actually not truly pray. The foundation of all real relationship is honest conversation. And I wanna put it to you today that God is able to cope with your challenges. That He's willing to be let in and opens the door for us to discover what it really means to pray, to talk to God, to actually discuss with Him what's going on, to get honest with God. And I just wanna say to you today that we can find a way to have a better place of being in the core of who we are if we will firstly identify our anxieties, secondly, increase our God awareness, and thirdly, that if we would discover what it really means to talk to God. And then the fourth thing that he says that we should do is with thanksgiving. Our fourth step is that we have to choose thanksgiving. With gratitude, we have to start to bring a perspective shift to what's going on in our lives. Because no matter what we are facing, no matter what we are fearful of, no matter what is in our lives, no matter what we are encountering today, there are reasons in our lives to be thankful. Jesus died for you. That is number one. Your sin is forgiven. Heaven is your home. God doesn't deal with us as our sins deserve. God is gracious, compassionate, and merciful. The sun came up this morning. The ground didn't swallow you on the way here. Hello? That is the Lord preventing creation from ending itself. The Bible says that the world groans in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. We live daily under the mercy and the grace of our God. We have a lot of reasons to be thankful. And the truth is, guys, that we are never really gonna get to the place of inner wholeness that God wants us to be in if we don't Find this step. Number one, we must identify where are the points in me of anxiety. Number two, I must begin to increase my God consciousness, number, my God awareness. Number three, I must have honest conversations with God because if I'm trying to just band-aid around the edges, this is never really gonna work. But when I've done all of that, I have to then lay it all out and I have to do what, what prophets and Bible heroes of old did. I must say, God, here is everything that is wrong. Here is everything that is broken. Yet I acknowledge the truth of who you are. I see you, I identify you, and I thank you. We have to find, we have to look for, we have to discover what it means. We have to choose thanksgiving in our lives. I've told the story before, but for those of you who may be new to our church, many years ago, uh, when Arise is only a few years old, Jillian and I walked all the way through uh, what is now known as the Leaky Homes Challenge. We bought a house here in Wellington, first home buyer's deposit, then discovered that it was rotting from the inside out. Looking back now, it was such a small challenge in perspective to the man I am today. But at the time, it was bigger than anything. For two weeks, I shook inwardly like just the muscles in my stomach would randomly just, have you ever had that? Just fear, just fear. I was so troubled by it, so overwhelmed by it. I mean, I literally just was hardly able to sleep and so I'd just be praying through the night and I will never forget being in the middle of one of those late night seasons of prayer when something began to dawn on me because my mind 
have been going in such a negative direction. Like for me, it was like, if, if I can't fix the house, then I can't repay the mortgage, then I'll be bankrupt. If I'm bankrupt, then I can't be on the church trust board. If I can't do that, then I can't be the senior pastor. Like in my mind, I was just, it was the, I'd, I'd opened the wrong door. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I was just seeing this negative, negative conclusion. And then in the middle of the night, I had this crazy, simple thought. I started to realize that all of that could, could happen. And still, it wouldn't take my marriage. I realized that I could lose it all, yet I didn't have to lose my relationship with my children. I realized that my friends wouldn't turn away from me. And all the people that had already found Jesus in the journey of our church were still gonna go to heaven. And I started to realize that no matter what was gonna happen with that situation, that I had so many reasons to be grateful and to be thankful for today. And it was like, I'm in the middle of the night with a stomach that's been shaken and suddenly I started thanking because I get to be married to the most amazing woman in the world. I have children that are gifts from God. I have friends that make me laugh. People have found Jesus. I get to live in New Zealand and I'm walking around going, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so grateful, God. And this is what I started to realize. Nothing that will go with me, nothing that will go with me into eternity can be lost from me in a trial. And it's like it just changed my perspective. As I started to realize, listen, the devil might attack your health, your finances, your business, but at the end of the day, he can't take your soul to hell. He can't take your marriage. He can't take the people who love you. At the end of the day, the devil is impervious against things that are eternal. And wow, does that change the way we face things in our lives, doesn't it? Because we are awakened to see things clearly. And that's why God says, even if you're going through the worst moments, you need to have this thing called Thanksgiving. Why? Because my body might be sick and dying, but there are still reasons for me to be thankful. I can turn a hospital bed into a place to win my family to Jesus. Come on, do you understand what I'm saying to you? I'm saying I might be encountering a challenge in my life, but God can use it as a way to display His glory. I'm praying, come on. I'm believing for healing for every sick person, but I'm telling you, in every difficulty, in every challenge, in every trial, God says we need this thing called thanksgiving and gratefulness because it's gonna shift our perspective of the things that we're walking through in our lives. Man, I mean that with all my heart. He says, we gotta do this because this is what happens. The Bible says, listen, we should rejoice and we should find this inner resilience and then this is how you can do it. Number one, you need to identify your anxieties. Number two, you need to increase your God awareness. Number three, you need to have some honest conversations to God and then you need to start being thankful because if you walk that journey through the points in your life where everything's overwhelming, then this is what's gonna happen. In verse seven, he begins to describe what takes place next. He says, and the peace of God that transcends my understanding. 
The peace of God that transcends my understanding. Even though I don't even know how this is gonna work out, even though I don't even know how this thing is gonna resolve itself, something of God is gonna connect with me right where I am. The peace of God, my mind is gonna change. My emotions are gonna change. It's gonna guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Wow, when I open my heart to see the wonder of who God is, when I, when I bring to God what I'm facing in my life, when I find reasons for thanksgiving, then suddenly my gratefulness is gonna engage spiritual warfare and it's gonna bring the peace of God to me even in lieu of the victory that is still coming. As I begin to realize that the God, of the, the God who is greater than the storm is in the boat with me, as I start to realize the one who resurrects the dead to life walks through me through the valley of the shadow of death. It begins to change the way I face the situations and difficulties of my life. I think we should just pause and praise God for just a second. Because He is a great God, my Lord. You are wonderful God. And my friends, I just want us to know that our God calls us to a place of gratefulness because it's gonna help us to overcome the situations and suddenly that peace of God begins to enter in. All of that steps one through four is like crisis aversion strategy. Then he goes on and he gives us one more thing. In verse eight, he says, we should develop intentional gratefulness. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. He says, I want you to train your minds to go in a new direction. I want you, now you're out of whatever situation that is, to develop something in you that is gonna enable you to overcome this ever happening again. I want you, I want you to find something that is gonna walk with you. Yes, we might be out of that moment of stress, but now we're gonna train our minds in a way that's gonna prevent the stimulus or the stresses of our lives from overwhelming us in the days that are to come. Is this making sense? He says the way that we're gonna do it is we're gonna develop intentional gratefulness. We're gonna wake up in the morning and we're gonna, go, we're gonna say what's praiseworthy. We're gonna get in the middle of a stressful situation and we're gonna say what is there for me to be grateful about. We're gonna walk into a different environment and we're gonna say, where is nobility here? What is excellent? What is praiseworthy? I'm gonna develop intentional gratefulness because as I develop intentional gratefulness, it's gonna safeguard me against all of the stuff that could threaten to overwhelm me. Have you ever thought that you could get to a place where gratefulness is so ingrained within you that stress can't get to you? That's what the Bible's saying. You can have a resilience that's greater than the threat, in Paul's case, of impending death. Wow. I don't know about you, but I think I need that. We need to develop intentional gratefulness. We put the series in here because honestly, I just believe like what God wants for us in this window, church, is to develop intentional gratefulness. Gratefulness. 
Oh, I talked about it last week, had the most feedback I've ever had probably for anything I've ever said from the pulpit in this church ever, which shows me how much it's needed. I said, you should thank your teachers and thank your principals. I had so much feedback about that because people are so flippin' great, ungrateful. Do you know the Bible says a sign at the end of the day, end of the age that, that the world has turned away from God is that they will be ungrateful. Ungrateful. So we're gonna, we're gonna do this. We're gonna get into our life groups and we're gonna go around the room. We're gonna say, what are we thankful for? We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get into pathway because in week three, you're gonna discover your gifts and your talents, the purpose God has for your life. And it's gonna help some, I wish I had gone through pathway when I was 14. When I was still standing in front of a mirror going, God, if you're so loving and kind, why did you cover my face in pimples? I wish that I had realized that this white, pink, fluoro pink, skin colored ginger had a call and a destiny. I wish I had discovered that because it would have developed my gratefulness. We're gonna thank, we're gonna thank our spouses. We're gonna thank the people that we work with. We're gonna, we're gonna be grateful. We're gonna be grateful. And developing that intentional gratefulness, that's gonna get rid of the stress thing. This entitlement thing. We're gonna shift our focus from what we don't have to what we do. Elijah had a woman come up to her and the woman said, my husband has died. He served you as a prophet. Now I'm about to have to sell my children into slavery because I don't have enough. Do you know what Elijah said to her? What do you have? What do you have? Well, um, I've got just this little bit of olive oil. That's all I've got. And he said, well, you go and get a whole lot of jars. Don't get only a few. Get as many as you can find. Then you start pouring it out. He was saying, would you shift your focus off what you don't have and give him what you do have? I thank you, God. I thank you. We're gonna get up this week and we're gonna establish new pathways. We're gonna develop intentional gratefulness. Jillian and I used to um, do these holidays before we had children in the Bay of Islands with sea kayaks and we'd, we'd go out to deserted islands. I'm sure the fun police have made it illegal now, but you used to be able to just rock up at these, you know, deserted islands. New Zealand's so beautiful and just camp there. And we'd just roll up and camp at these islands and it was so awesome. It was literally as beautiful as you're thinking it is. It was, it was amazing. And we'd be there, have our own beach, just us and a few friends. It was crazy cool, spearfishing, it was awesome. And what would happen is we would need to go from one place in the island to another place. And there wouldn't be any pathway because no one lived there. So the first time you went there, if it was the morning, you'd end up with legs that are wet from the grass. You'd end up with cuts on your legs from all the bushes. But you'd, you know, you'd go there and you'd come back. And then the next day you'd, you'd wanna go there again. And so you'd kind of go there and it was a little bit easier than the time before it. And the next day or the next afternoon, you'd do it again. And by about the fourth time, it didn't matter. It could be, everything could be wet with dew. Prickles could be on either side. But now we've got a pathway that we can just navigate with ease from one side of the island to the other. 
at the moment for most of us to think about being grateful even though we're facing whatever we whatever is overwhelming us right now is not out of, is out of line with the will of God for us. So God says I'm not necessarily going to miraculously make the problem disappear, but we can start today to develop intentional gratefulness. And it might seem awkward. And you might get some thorns on your legs, but you know what? We can develop this thing to a point where it becomes natural and easy, and that's gonna cause our lives to become bigger than the stress and the worry and the anxiety that is overwhelming our generation. Let our gentleness be evident to all. Let the world see in a believer's life that they have found the one who has filled their lives with goodness and blessing and overwhelms us with mercies and the wonder of His presence. And if you're grateful for that God in every campus, why don't you stand to your feet and give Him some praise in this place today. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at John Cameron NZ.